Well, good morning, everybody here at the broadcast location. And those of you that are joining us at Nacogdoches, listen, guys in Nacogdoches and, and, and broadcast, listen to this real quick. Nacogdoches, last week you had 750 people in your campus on a Sunday. Come on, Lufkin, come on, Nacogdoches, that is huge, whoa! 750 people, are you crazy? We are having to figure out where to put everybody. We're just like, we're like Mattress Max, stacking them deep and selling them cheap. We're not selling anybody cheap, but we are gonna have to figure out how we add more chairs in there and how we maybe go to additional service. I mean, we, uh, SFA isn't even in full swing, so God's hand is just on you, Nagadochus, and Dieball and Duncan, and uh, just loving what God is doing, and you guys, and all the baptisms that, that have happened this year, and uh, Duncan, I'll be with you guys in a few weeks, looking forward to connecting with you there, and uh, everybody online, uh, just a good, just a good day uh, to put God first, uh, to start the week right, uh, worshiping together, and hearing uh, from his word. We're continuing on a series that we've entitled The Table, and we're just looking at a few very clear and sometimes surprising tables all throughout Scripture, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And this one is one of those tables that you may want to sit at it, and uh, later, uh, you know, you want to write a terrible review card, or you want to give a one-star review, or you want to say, uh, please take this back. It's not the way I wanted it. This, this situation is kind of a surprise, scary, yet a God-divine moment uh, packed away in three little verses. Three little verses tell this little table story we're going to go to the book of uh, 2 Kings, chapter 4. And in these three little verses, we, we hear this table story uh, unwind. Here we go. So it goes like this. Elisha was a major prophet back in the day. And he had returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in that region. Now, uh, situate the whole deal. Cupboards are bare. Grocery stores are shutting down. Not only is there no water and no toilet paper, there is no baked beans. There, there is no canned goods. There is no Campbell's. There is no rice aroni. Uh, and when people uh, are hungry, you know they get hangry. You're not you when you're hungry. They aren't satisfied. There is no Snickers. It's a famine in the land. And so uh, food is an unbelievable commodity, not just something you just run through the drive through and grab. Elisha's back home, and in that area, there was major famine. Now, on top of Elisha going home, he's also not only a prophet, but really he's like, uh, he's the dean of a college. Uh, he goes to the company of the prophets that was meeting with him. Elisha had started basically a, a Bible school. Uh, just this last week, we launched Southeastern University at Timber Creek Church, and we have our five students that are jumping right in, and we cannot wait to see what God does uh, through them as they get uh, their degree right here, not only a, a, a degree there in biblical studies and leadership, uh, but also the practicum stuff that they're doing uh, on a daily basis, excited about those students with us. Well, this is what Elisha was doing. They had started Southeastern University at Gilgal. And he had a company of prophets, and he was teaching them and training them. And, and uh, yet, even though it was a famine, everybody gets hungry. Okay, so he said to his servant, hey, you know what? Hey, go down into that cupboard. We haven't gotten that large pot out in a while. You know, you know the one we did that crawfish with that one time? 
Yeah, get that large pot and cook some stew for these prophets. I mean, this is an incredible gift for Elisha to do. This is going to cost quite a bit because food is so rare in the moment. Well, one of them went out into the fields to gather herbs, and they found a wild vine. And on that wild vine, they ended up picking as many of its gourds as his garment could hold. Now, think about, like, there's this vine. He's looking for herbs. He's looking for just a little cumin. He's looking for a little thyme. He's looking for a little, I don't know, I don't, I mean, basil. He's just looking for something to put some spice in the hot water. They've got a sock and they've got a stick, and they've got uh, some basil, and this guy, we don't even know his name. We'll call him Tyler. Tyler comes out, one of these young Bible school students, and, and he finds this vine, and all of these gourds are connected. And he's like, oh, they've missed it. And you can see whatever his garments would hold. He basically pulls up his long shirt, and he starts filling it with these gourds. So he goes back to the house, and when he returned, he put it in the bowl, put it in the bowl. He cut them up into the pot of stew, and this is a very important line, though no one knew what they were. Like the head chef, Tyler comes into the back kitchen. He's got his garment full of gourds. It's a famine. The head chef, Gordon Ramsay, didn't say, hey. What's this about? Like, he, there was no, like, it just, nobody knew what it was. Might as well throw it in there. And sure enough, all these company, the prophets, they're excited. They're in the cafeteria at the cafeteria table, and they're like, let us eat. Let us eat. They are, they, they, they are pumped because it's been a famine. Well, the stew was poured out for the men. But as they began to eat it, <laughs> okay, it, it wasn't before. It was as they began to eat, and they're looking at each other, and mm, okay, okay, and then they're eating. They begin to cry out, man of God! This is the original OMG, but it's M-O-G. M-O-G! There is death in the pot, and they couldn't eat it. They were being poisoned in this moment. The poisonous gourds that Tyler, you remember that day back in 67 when Tyler almost killed all of the Southeastern University at Gilgal? So Elisha responds to what's going on, and here's all Elisha says. He says, hey, get some flour. Get some flour. I just want to pause there and just say that there's nothing like medicinal about flour. There can be some medicinal qualities of salt. It can preserve, it can purify, um, but there is no medicinal quality in flour. He's like, go get some flour. Like, what do you mean flour? Are we gonna deep fry this stew? What's, what's gonna happen here? Uh, it would have been, you know, I, I thought he would have said like, go get some essential oil. You know, there's essential oil for everything. You know, like, oh, you have a headache, essential oil. Oh, you got this, oh, my iPhone's acting up. Put some essential oil on it. But, but it wasn't essential, it was flour. Go get some flour. So Elisha, put the flour into the pot and said, serve it to the people to eat. <laughs> they didn't throw it out. They kept what they had and there was nothing harmful in the pot. I just want to take this little three verse story tucked away in an Old Testament book and not everything in the Bible is prescriptive. Some of it is simply descriptive. But I do believe there are some 
prescriptive qualities to this story that we could get some handlebars on uh, everyday living in 2022 because of what we see and what we investigate in this story. And to get there, let's, let's invite Jesus to do what only he can do today. Okay, would you just close your eyes just for a moment all across our locations. Jesus, the next few moments we have. You're the host. We're the guest. You've invited us to the table today. For some of us, this is every Sunday. For others of us, this is a new day. This is a dipping our toe in the water at a new table. For some of us, we've never really even been part of a church service. So all this is new. And God, no matter where we are, whether we're deep in relationship with you or we're just investigating the claims of Christ or we were dragged here against our will by a friend, I pray that over the next few moments, you would speak to each one of us that when we leave here, we'll say, today I've heard from God. We ask it in the name of Jesus, the strong son of God, who's inviting us to the table today. Amen. Amen. I just want to give you a, a few, a handful of uh, observations from this story. It's a sermon that I've titled, The Stew That Is You. Because this isn't just about some soup. This isn't just about a meal. This is really the stew that is you. All right, number one, careful what you delegate. I don't know what this guy was thinking. Where The head chef, I mean, has Tyler ever cooked anything in his life besides Pop-Tarts? I mean, when I went to Bible college, I did not know how to cook. I, I just assumed uh, steak was supposed to taste like jerky. I, you know, when somebody said medium, I was like, oh, I don't want it mooing on the plate. You know? And now I realize, like, that's a blessing from Jesus for there to be juice in it. Like, it not, not, ought not to taste like jerky. But I didn't have a lot of experience. I mean, I'm talking about ramen and spaghetti and meatballs and some Pop-Tarts. That's like the healthy, balanced diet of my four years of college. Who, who, who delegated the responsibility for this guy to go just pick some gourds and chop it up and put it in the stew? Careful what you delegate. And you know, we live in a culture where we can easily delegate things whether we realize it or not. We delegate responsibility. We delegate training of our children. We can delegate uh, our first response to things based on what we're seeing other people do. We get our signals from culture, and so we delegate our responsibility of wisdom to the norm of the day versus the word of God, and we've got to be careful what you delegate. Let me put it this way. In fact, you can write it down in your notes. Not everyone is qualified to add into your life. Into the stew that is you, not everyone is qualified to add into your life. But do you know what's crazy? Is many of us are on a trajectory based on what someone added to your life at some point. It was a, it, some of you are on a trajectory because someone you trust and you love chopped up the right ingredients of love, peace, patience, kindness, and investment into your life and poured into you and thank God they did. But the, the other side is also true. There are people that have placed poisonous gourds, chopped it up, and uneven beknownst to you, you're still 
you're still, you're letting that stew marinate in some of that poisonous gourd. Things that they said, a, a bully at school that stuck with you, a coach that said, you'll never do it, um, a denial on something, a teacher that said something, a parent that did, said, said some things that, that have stuck with you or didn't say things that you wish you were just waiting for them to say something positive. Not everyone is qualified to add into your life. You know, there are people that will say things, give opinion, and it can, it can, it, it can mess with me a little bit. And Janet is the one who really encouraged me with this. She said, why are you letting people mess with your emotions when they've not invested anything positive? And so they'll critique and you'll think about that and you'll put that on the soundtrack of your brain and yet they've never added anything into your life. They're actually just depositing poisonous gourds. Be careful. Not everyone's qualified to add into your life. Think about it this way. When it comes to love, let's talk about dating relationships and marriages. Not everyone's qualified to add into your life. Listen, husbands, uh, you are the one. You cannot delegate love for your spouse. Careful what you delegate. You're the one that ought to be adding value to your spouse. The one that ought to be uh, finding out what language she speaks and speaking that language. Finding out what language he speaks and learning the language. Gary Chapman, psychologist, uh, famous book called The Five Love Languages. He gives languages that we speak that shows how we give and receive love, like quality time. Just spend time with me. Let's just cuddle up in the blanket and let's just watch a show. Let's just spend some time. Let's just go on a walk. Let's just hang out. I just want to spend some time with you. You don't want to spend any time with me. Just be like that's a way we speak love. Words of affirmation. I'm a words of affirmation guy. Uh, it, it fills my tank when someone gives me an encouraging word. It means a lot to me. Um, uh, acts of service where painting the fence or picking up groceries or just being sensitive and putting up the, the empty Coke bottles. And my wife was saying, you, you brought, it's great that you brought the Amazon package out from the front door, but then you just open it up and you leave the, you leave the box in the living room. Like, like you did it almost, but you like didn't do it the whole way. Like she, she, she acts of service is a good love language for her. And when I leave stuff all over the house, She's like, who leaves a half-drank Coke Zero on the back of the toilet? Hey, I can't help when I'm thirsty, everybody. I can't help it. Me? Okay. Don't judge. I know some of you. I see your judgy eyes right now. Even through the screen, I can see your judginess. Don't be judging right now. Okay? When you're thirsty, you're thirsty. And it's zero. It's zero sugar. Hello. Moving on. You cannot delegate the way that, that you're going to love your spouse. If you do, just know somebody else is going to add into their life. Words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, physical touch. And that could be sexual, uh, but, but, but it's also simply a hand on a shoulder. It's, it's, it's wisping away uh, uh, some hair around the ear. It's, it's putting a hand on a cheek. It, it's like my son. It doesn't matter uh, if we're in the middle of uh, a, the, the bleachers at a ball game around all his friends. If I put my hand on his back, he does, th he does this move right here. Scratch my back, Dad. Scratch my back. Oh, get it. No, no, other side. Okay, get under the shirt. Under the shirt. Son, we're around every... I don't care. Get under the shirt. So I'm, I'm scratching his back. He's like... Uh, he just loves that physical touch. It's just one of the ways that we show love can't delegate the way you love your family. 
I mean, you can, but you ought not to delegate that. Hey, in parenting, careful what you delegate, parents. Um, I love the reality of what these uh, digital devices have done. They have um, shortened the, the questions on a long road trip. They have um, kind of mitigated uh, crazy fights in the back seat of the SUV. Uh, that like, no, he's touching me. He's on my side. Stop touching me. No, he hit me first. She hit me first. Like, like uh, uh, the kind of conversations that you as a parent say, don't make me turn this car around. I'm going to pull over right now. Do you want your mouth, your teeth in your mouth or in your pocket? No, don't say that. My dad said that. I say that, but don't say that anyway. Like you cannot delegate your parenting. You can, but be careful what you delegate. Do you know parents that there are people that are lining up around the block to teach your kids about sex? They are just waiting to talk to your kids and inform your kids, right, wrong, good, bad, or ugly, about sex. Don't delegate the sex talk. I don't even know what to say. We want to help you. Talk to KidWorks. Talk to, talk to TC Youth. We want to help you give you resources on how to have those conversations. Be careful what you delegate. Okay? The enemy wants to come in like a flood on all kinds of things. And even though we have these digital devices and stuff like that, like let's not, let's not delegate the wrong things. Careful what you delegate. Careful who's adding into your life. Finally, hey, personal time with Jesus, your, your personal relationship with Jesus. Do you know that that five love languages work with him too? Uh, words of affirmation. He wants to speak into your life and he invites you to worship him. Acts of service, serving on a team. This next week, we're launching another brand new starting point and we have tweaked it and tooled it and, and we are actually trying to make it easier for us to get into a next step. We're not diluting the content and we're not dumbing down being a part. What we're doing is we're actually uh, placing most of the content into a different delivery system and we wanna give you the opportunity to serve. The very last thing Jesus does with his whole group before he dies on the cross. It is a pretty pivotal time. He is the most powerful man in the room, the most powerful man in the world, and he serves them by taking on a, an apron and a bath towel and he washes their feet. Like he shows the power of serving. Acts of service. The way that we serve is part of loving Jesus. Nobody else can delegate that. Well, they must have enough dream teamers. We are always inviting more and more people to be a part of a dream team. Don't delegate that to just your kids or delegate that to your spouse or delegate that to the person sitting next to you at one of our locations. Like, like even Dieball and Duncan, there's some ways that you can serve uh, right there in our Wednesday night services. Uh, talk to one of our team. How can I be a part? We want everybody serving in some capacity. And it's part of us not delegating the wrong things, but being a part of the right things. You say physical touch with Jesus? Like, what does that even mean? Uh, that's a love language. Let me tell you, every time you serve someone in need, the Bible says they were hungry and you fed them. They were naked and you clothed them. They were in prison and you visited them. It's like you've done that to me personally. Part of the way we even engage love for Jesus is when we physically help those around us. Quality time. We just celebrated 21 days of prayer. Some of the most powerful 21 days we've experienced. But setting aside a little time every day, setting aside this time in church on a Sunday or on a Wednesday night is part of careful what you delegate. Okay, careful who's adding into your life. Make sure that you're allowing the, the body of Christ to add into your life. So here's the question. 
okay? Before we go to next, to, to number two, here's the question. Is there anything I've neglected or by default, like inadvertently, I've just delegated that I need to take responsibility of now? Like the head chef should not have delegated or neglected who was going to be adding into the stew for the whole school. He should have taken responsibility. Is there anything as a parent, as a spouse, as a man of God, a woman of God, as someone investigating the claims of Christ, is there anything I've neglected or in, by default delegated that I need to now, before I walk, through, walk out the doors of the room I'm in today, I need to take responsibility for? Think about it today. Okay, number two, good intentions do not guarantee harmless actions. I don't know if the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That's an old saying. I think the road to hell is, is paved with people that want to stay in charge and want to have the final authority of their life and want to say, God, I want to do my own thing forever. And he says, okay. I mean, that's the, that's the road to eternal separation from God. But good intentions, as sweet as they sound, uh, they do not guarantee harmless actions. Um, have you ever said this? I know I've said this a time or 12. It seemed like a good idea at the time. I wonder, once they started eating and Tyler's standing in, 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 the, in the, the garage, you know, like kind of that little door that goes up in the kitchen and he's looking out into the fellowship hall there at the, at the church where they're having their, their school and, and he's watching people eat and they've already prayed and, and everybody starts choking and spitting stuff out and they're going, ah, and, and they're running around the room and it's like Macaulay Culkin uh, scared to death, you know, he's been left by his parents at home alone and, they don't even, oh my, man of God, we're dying. And, and the Gordon Ramsay looks over at Tyler and says, what'd you put in? And he's like, it seemed like a good idea at the time. We put ourselves in those moments though, don't we? Relationally, uh, financially, mentally. It seemed like good, a, a good idea at the time to just add and add and add to the calendar and to stay busy, 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 busy. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Everybody else is doing that. It seemed like a good idea. Oh, he's so, he's just so funny. Um, and uh, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know him, but we're gonna, we're, we're, we're gonna go hang out this weekend. And, and like uh, later you say, well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. You know what? I love Jesus. I've met somebody. They don't, they're not a Christian, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring them in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring them in. Careful, <laughs> careful, easy. That may seem like a good idea at the time. And sometimes that can work out, but be very, very careful with that. Because uh, what seems like a good idea uh, can very much cause uh, some harmful responses. Good intentions don't guarantee harmless actions. Number three, God still works miracles despite our dumb mistakes. You don't have to be full of uh, humility and be pious and be a certain way before God works a miracle. As a matter of fact, many times God will work a miracle and some of it is, could be even in response to our dumb stuff. And you know what? Sometimes his miracle may not look like a miracle. It may, it may look like more hurt or more craziness. Think about Jonah. Jonah ran from God. 
a storm brewed in the ocean. He was on the opposite way to Nineveh, uh, opposite way from Nineveh. They throw him overboard to try and appease the gods of the ocean, and he's going to drown in the middle of the ocean. But God does a miracle. Now, it's a crazy miracle, but he does a miracle. He gets swallowed by a fish. And for three days, he's in the belly of the fish. He gets vomited up. Not like your typical, you know, Jesus just really showed up in my life. Got me swallowed by a big fish and I smell like vomit for three days now and I am bleached white. But many times God will show up in the middle of our dumb mistakes. He doesn't show up before they do it. He, he doesn't show up right as they went to pray for the meal. I mean, it was after everybody is poisoned, but I want you to know he shows up in the middle of dumb mistakes. Anybody here at Broadcaster, there in Nacogdoches, Dieball Duncan online, help me out. Anybody just with a, just a moment of honesty, ever, anybody ever made a dumb mistake? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then for the rest of you, welcome back. I know you weren't paying attention because your hand wasn't raised. Um, everybody's made a dumb mistake. I, write this down. Mistakes are learning opportunities. Mistakes are beautiful, incredible learning opportunities, but don't stop there. Mistakes are learning opportunities or not. I mean, I know some people that keep making the same mistakes. They haven't used it as a learning opportunity. They're using it as a brick wall. God wants to invite us to leverage our mistakes, leverage our failures to know that failure isn't final. Failure can be an incredible, it's a reality of life. And, and we fail forward when we mess up. We learn from our mistakes and they're going to learn something powerful. It's not like don't ever trust Tyler with the cooking. They're going to learn something powerful about the character of God, but they had to do it through the context of a dumb mistake. Guess what happens here? Mistakes, not only do they help us learn, but mistakes allow God to regain the glory. There, there, there's something that takes place the more and more wins that you get, the more and more successes that you glean. Like, like for all of us, we can start thinking it's about me. Like all of a sudden, I've become God in the story. I've got the Midas touch. Midas, I'm God. When I touch it, I, it turns to gold and I can do it. And, and many times, mistakes allow us to step back, humble ourselves, and come back to allow God to get the glory. Okay, just a couple more here. Now, let me talk to those of you that grew up in church in particular, those that um, understood the context of like praying for healing or miracles or revival, um, this story has got an unbelievable miracle moment in it where the flower is added and the poison is gone and it's just an awesome moment. But let me, let me also give us a big caution for those of you that kind of grew up in the church. You, you, you're going to understand what I'm about to say and here it is, number four. It's not about the flower. It's not about the flower. There is nothing inherent purifying about the flower. As I've mentioned already, salt can be preserving, salt can be purifying, but flower does not have a healing agent to it. It's just an object used to try and share a point. But many times when people grow up in church and a person prays a certain way, all of a sudden that becomes the flower. 
If I pray that way or I pray at that heat or I pray those particular words or if I come down to a particular altar or you're never going to get it unless you walk down to an altar. You're not going to get it unless you grow up in this denomination or unless it look, lo, looks a certain way or unless we're singing about this kind, this kind of song or this kind of methodology or if it's over here like it's got to look a certain way. That's just flower, everybody. That's just flower. I mean, I'm telling you, I guarantee you what happened. Like three weeks later, Elisha had to have a conversation with three or four guys because they went on hospital visitation. One guy is like laying hands on someone in the hospital while the other guy is like spreading flour around the hospital bed, speaking in tongues, thinking that all of a sudden the flower's going to do it. Many people like all of a sudden it's like it's chasing that speaker. It's, it's making sure that we have read that book or that we have an intensity about that particular subject. The flower was just meant to tell a story. It wasn't really about the flower. We anoint heads with oil. Uh, we, we, can, uh, we can pray and we can pray out loud or we can pray quietly. We can have prayer at the end of service like we'll have today, or we can pray over the phone or on text, or we can, you know, shoot the prayer emoji hand, which is, by the way, those are high fives. Those are high five hands, not prayer hands, but I digress. It's not about the flower. It's about the partnership. Would you write it down? Do, do not minimize the work of God by overemphasizing the physical component. You know, at Timber Creek Church, we, we say it like this. We date our methods. We marry our mission. We're married to the mission. Your God-given potential is the mission. You, you have potential, dormant potential, tucked away in you, senior saint, tucked away in you that's investigating the claims of Christ. And, and that potential is really kind of, it, it surrounds around four key promises of God for you to know God personally. You don't have to wait for a priest or a prophet to do that for you. You don't have to, you don't need Pastor Jeremy for you to know God personally. I will be a tour guide and invite uh, you on a journey and I will introduce you to him, but you can know him for yourself. Will you pray for me, Pastor? Absolutely. But one of the joys of my life is listening to you pray. Is when we gather and we're praying, I love hearing you pray. Because that's, it's, it's just as much your opportunity and privilege and responsibility to talk to God. I will talk to God with you. But you gotta talk to God too. Don't just delegate that. Careful what you delegate. To know God personally, to find freedom from anything holding you back, to discover why you were born for this earth and God's mission for your own life, and then like to make a difference in that. Like all of that, like that's the, that's the mission. But the method is different. The methods might change. Um, services might look different or they might look the same or they may be at a one time or at another. You may be online or you may be in a multi-site. You may be a video venue or maybe in the flesh. Like methods we date, mission we're married to it. And I want us to understand that there's always a divine partnership. There's his part and my part. His part and my part. He's, he's wanting to partner with us. He didn't just, God didn't just take the poison away. He partnered with the physical adding of the flower. See, my part in this whole process of development of the stew that is you, the stew that is me, my part is being available and obedient and planting and being humble and stirring and chopping and, and, and cooking and, 
His part is the supernatural and the increase and the purification, the restoration and the reshaping and the remaking and the transformation. He doesn't need micromanaged. You can trust him. You don't have to always add the flour. If he tells you to add flour, add it. But you do your part. You let him do his. He is best at life transformation and it's a beautiful divine partnership. So careful. Don't be chasing methods. Don't, 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 don't go down the rabbit hole algorithm on YouTube because you're watching one person and then the next and then all of a sudden, eight hours later, you're convinced that the mark of the beast is in this Rice Krispies. Like, careful. Number five. God doesn't always save us from tasting the bitterness of this fallen world. Why didn't somebody just stop Tyler? Why, why didn't when they prayed, Lord, we pray that this would be a blessing. Let me just nourish our bodies. And God say, hang on a second. <laughs> that whole nourishment thing. Yeah, we need to do some, some damage control here. I mean, they had already said, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. It wasn't until they actually tasted the bitterness that... God began to move. This is many times what can happen in our lives. Like the miracle doesn't happen until the moment it's truly needed. It wasn't until they had set the table and then they had prayed and then they had eaten. And then their bodies began to respond that there was an answer. And look, and that answer may not always be what we think it's going to be. Like I said, God doesn't always save us from tasting the bitterness of this world but he's good and he can be trusted. And no matter what bitterness you've tasted, something that you tasted because of your own decisions or something that put a taste in your mouth and you, it, it wasn't your fault and you've tasted the, the poison of this world, I want you to know that God still has an answer for you. He still sees you and he doesn't always save us from tasting the poison, but he always has an antidote. Here's the final thought today. Number six, they couldn't remove the poison. They didn't try and strain it. The flower didn't suck it out. Like that's not what happened here. Like, like um, they couldn't remove the poison. They didn't start over. They didn't, you know, Tyler, you're grounded. Let's go get a different kind of soup. They, they couldn't remove the poison. Here's what they did. They simply trusted the added ingredient. Do you know what the huge step of faith here is? Not adding flour. That wasn't a huge step of faith. You know what the biggest step of faith is? in this story is that Elisha added the flour and then he told those guys sitting in, the, in that cafeteria, hey, eat again. And the faith moment and the trust moment and the big real miracle moment isn't even that the poison was gone. The miracle moment is that they trusted and obeyed. Let me tell you something, parents. You can try and bubble wrap your kids to try and keep them from the poison of this culture. You're not going to take the poison out of this culture. And there's going to be some times where your kids may feel the sting, the venom, the fangs 
of a culture that's poisonous. And instead of trying to retreat and isolate and bunker ourselves, we do what these company of prophets did. We add the trusted ingredient. We consistently see Jesus is at this table. He's not physically at this table, but he's represented in this story. Jesus is the added ingredient. It's not about Jesus adding flour to your life. It's about Jesus being added to your life. It's, It's not about Jesus giving you an answer. It is about Jesus is the answer. And you may not be able to keep your kids from every hurt, from every wound. You may not be able to keep your marriage from every attack and every... Uh, wound and every di- uh, moment of distrust or broken trust. But what you can do is starting today, you can add the right ingredient. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We can't keep everything out. We're going to do what we can. We're going to be careful what we delegate. And we're going to put some control mechanisms on our social media. And we're going to gu- put some guardrails. We're not just going to try and high wire walk like the, 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 the line between what God says and what the world wants from us. We're going to have some safeguards and some guardrails, but all in all, it's not about my guardrails and it's not about the flower and it's not about what I could ever do. It's about, I'm gonna trust you, Jesus, that the more and more I add in, I add you into my life, what you say, what you think, how you feel towards what I should feel, what you have already said in your word, that is flower to my soul. I'm gonna add into the stew that is me, into the stew that is you. Jesus, take, take over more and more, and the more we add the right ingredient of Jesus and only Jesus, you may taste bitterness, and you may have a regret or three, but he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, He won't leave you there struggling to breathe. We invite Jesus into every poisoned hurt, every poisoned relationship, every word that was, that we, that we've choked on every hurt that has caused us to say, Oh God, there's, there's death in this thing. And we lay it before him. He's the bread, he's the flower, he's at the table. Let's invite him in. At all of our locations, we just close your eyes today. This is our custom and it's not just because it's our custom. It's because this matters deeply to God. This is a business moment with God and you. And we do two prayers at the end of every service. And the first prayer is always for those of you that truthfully you've been, you've realized I've been, my stew is poisoned. I, 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 I don't want to live like this. I need some, I, I needed the, I need an added ingredient. And I want to tell you, it's not a hocus pocus thing. It's not even this church. This church is just the delivery system of the needed ingredient in your life. And that needed ingredient is not just a good encouragement. That ingredient is Jesus, who gives you a fresh start, washes your sin away, gives you a clear focus. If that's you in one of our rooms and you say, today, I I need Jesus, then you'd simply pray something like this, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I surrender to you today. I, 
I've tried to take stuff out of my life and poison and this and that, and I, I recognize I need you. Would you fill up my heart? Would you give me a fresh start today? Thank you, Jesus, for not being mad at me. Thank you for this moment. As we're still praying, the second prayer is for those of us in our rooms that, frankly, we've delegated something we shouldn't have. Uh, we've let somebody's words be added into our daily routine. We've, we're dealing with some poison stuff, and we just, we just need to say to Jesus, Jesus, you are invited into this thing. If that's you, we just, let me just pray over you. Jesus, we're inviting you in to that hurt, inviting you into that marriage, inviting you into that business decision, inviting you into that, that soundtrack that keeps playing on repeat and, and the enemy's using that. And, and I just, I'm, I've, I've, I've delegated this and I've, add, I've let somebody add into my life and I'm done. And Jesus, I wanna add you in today. God, I invite you to the table. Do what only you can do. Reach what it, where only you can reach. Cleanse what only you can cleanse. I'll do my part, Lord. I'll do my part. I'm asking. And I, I know that you'll do your part, the transforming. And we ask it in the beautiful name of Jesus. Everybody said amen.